0: I'm going to read our our scripture for us here this morning. And it is out of the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. And you can look that up if you brought a Bible, and we always encourage you to do that. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in front of you that you can just take home with you. We want everyone to be able to have a Bible. And so you can take that and look it up. Ephesians 4. Verses 11 to 16 that Pastor Steve's going to share with us here this morning. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, instead speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is, Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen.
1: Thank you, Eric. I wasn't going to really mention that I wasn't feeling great, but it probably wouldn't take you a minute to figure it out <laughs> this morning. <clears throat> and my voice will get better as I go, I'm sure. I haven't talked all morning, hardly, so we'll see how it goes. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, it was Tuesday night, I think, we were having a very, very uh, profitable and, and great elders' meeting. And we closed it out by them asking me how I was doing and how they could pray for me. And they got around me and gathered, laid hands on me, and prayed for my health. About 24 hours later, <laughs> the sore throat starts for a couple days, and I try to battle it. And then all of a sudden, it's like attack from everywhere. I, even my second toe from my left toe hurts, but I think that has to do with stubbing it. But. Um, So so that's the the prayer request. But with a prayer request, you always have to have a praise, right? The praise is they didn't pray for my finances. Yeah. I I couldn't afford that. (laughs) So so it's great to be here this morning, and as I've been reading, this is our last in our series of one, and the one, the one purpose, the one plan, the one passion that we have for Friends Church and really for us as Christians to grow and to become more like Christ. And as I've been thinking about that and reflecting on some of the stories we've been talking about, how Jesus and, and even Paul, they use examples so much out of life, uh, whether it be a farmer, or whether it be a builder. They just, they they use these stories that we understand. And as I was thinking about that and thinking the the commonalities that we have in our culture to their culture, they're not a lot, but there is a sense of a love of sports. In fact, from about 800 B.C. until um, 400 A.D., 1,200 years, every four years there were the Olympics. And the Olympics were a big deal. And as Paul especially would go into these cities, he would not just see statues. And we talk about the statues of gods that he sees. But he would see bronze statues of of, of, of athletes. He would see um, hear songs and poems written to athletes who had excelled at the Olympic Games and the other games that they would have. Right there in Corinth, on the Isthmus of Corinth, would be the Isthmus Games that were held in between. And so these athletes would become cult stars, kind of not too much unlike what we might have today. They don't have the Nike contracts, but they got pretty much everything else. And so he would tell these stories of running and boxing, and and we hear those, we understand those. Because we have the same thing. In fact, probably one of the greatest stories of modern day Olympics, one of the great uh, heroes and legends, is a man named John Stephen Akwari. And you've probably heard of him. John Stephen Akwari was uh, a long-distance runner, a a world-class long-distance runner who was expected to compete for a medal for the country of Tanzania in 1968. During this time, he trained and he was ready to go. And no athlete had ever won a medal in the Olympics from Tanzania. And so he was set to go and he went to Mexico City. He started off and really had not prepared maybe well for the altitude of Mexico City. Fell behind a little bit and then started cramping up. And I know what that's like to be a runner, uh, to cramp up a little bit. But about halfway through the race, he, he felt like, this is my time. I need to make my move now if I'm going to make a move. And so he started to make the move. He started to uh, head to the front. And unfortunately, though, on his way, he ran into a pack of runners. Feet got tangled, legs got bumped, and a bunch of them ended up in a pile. And for John, he ended up with a bruised knee, a dislocated knee, and a bruised shoulder. At that point in time, the doctors came, his, his team came, and they say, you, you, need to, you need to get out of the race. You need to stop. And he says, no, I got to go on. And so they did. They, they wrapped him up, and they wrapped up the dislocated knee, and he limped his way home for the last half of the marathon. It was about, a, about an hour after the, the winner had crossed, an hour and five minutes, actually, after the winner had crossed, The lights were all, the sky was going dark, and the fans, and you can see there's not a whole lot of fans in the stadium there, not many around. In fact, the TV crews had even started to pack up their gear, and the reporters were getting ready to go home, when all of a sudden, there's a noise, and people are cheering, and here comes John into the stadium, and he runs, and he runs that final lap, and he finishes the marathon, and they run over to him, and they say, "Uh, John, why, why? Did you finish the race? And at that point, he said a quote that is very, very famous in Olympic history, and it's this. My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Finish well. And that certainly was Aquari's Akari's thought. As he knew he had this country behind him. And yet, he crossed that line, wounded, suffering, hurting, but he crossed the line. It kind of reminds me of another famous quote by the Apostle Paul. Second Timothy, when he's talking with or writing to Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I finished the race. I'm not going to let the obstacles get in the way. I'm not going to let the suffering get in the way. I'm not going to let the problems of my life, the things that have been been thrown in my path to stop me from finishing this race. In fact, Paul, I think, would agree with Aquari in saying this, the job is not to start the race, just start the race. The job is not to, in this case, not just to accept Christ as your Savior, but Race goes all the way to the end. You can't stop early. you gotta, you got to fight through, and you got to go through the pain and the suffering and the difficulties. He says this in 1 Corinthians 9. Again, Paul using this running uh, imagery. He says, you do not run. Don't you know that in a race, all the runners run, but the only one runs to get the prize. Run in such a way to get the prize. We might look at that and say, wow, only only one can get the prize. Well, Aquari did not receive the grand prize. But that's not what this says. In fact, I love what John Piper says. He says the point of this scripture is not that there's only one winner. It's not that there's only one winner. The point is to run the way a winner runs. Are we running the way a winner, winner runs? It's hard to talk with a cough drop in your mouth. (laughs) Are we running the way a winner runs? In your Christian life, are you running the way a winner or a Christian who is a person who is going all the way through to the end? Are we running in that manner? A runner runs hard. A runner gives everything. A runner makes sacrifices. It's about finishing well. Again, in Hebrews chapter 12, Paul says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles. If we look at this and we see the same picture of, of, of even Aquari. he has this, this nation of Tanzania behind him. Supporting him, expectations of him, and Paul says we have this great cloud of witnesses. He just finished in chapter eleven talking about these uh, these these saints of the Lord who have with suffered and they have suffered for Christ and they have fought through and they have finished the race. And, and this is more like these these observers or these these uh, 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 cloud of witnesses. It's not so much like a um, not so much like a cheerleading squad or those. That have not been involved. This is more like other members of the relay race. Have you ever been in a relay race? You pass on to one, you pass on to the other, and pass on to the other. And once you pass it on, you don't leave. You gather around and you cheer on the rest of them. You've been part of this, you've been part of this race. And so he says, There's been people who've been part of this race. They've carried it on, and now it's up to you. And they're passing it on and they're cheering you on. Keep on going. And he says, first of all, the good runner, the good runner takes off anything that hinders. And then he points out, and also the sin that entangles. So it seems like that first thing, the, the, anything that hinders is different from sin. Sometimes there's good things that keep us from advancing in our race. Sometimes there's positive things that, that, that in our lives, but they keep us from advancing in the race. Sometimes it's sin in our lives that keeps us from advancing. And he points out both of those here. He goes on, though, in verse 2 and says, This let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. This is how the runner runs he runs in a straight line, he runs with a goal. In fact, we're looking at this, and he says, you are to run by fixing your eyes on Jesus. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, he says, forgetting what is behind, looking forward, I press on, I strain for what God has called me to do. I'm looking forward to following Jesus, keeping my eyes on him. That brings us this morning, having our eyes fixed on Jesus, we become Christ-centered people. Here's the diagram we shared with you a few weeks ago. And this is kind of where our, our fourth chair comes in in our message here today. The, the fourth chair, the Christ-centered person, starts with their eyes on Jesus. That Jesus is the center of the wheel. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, we said a few weeks ago uh, that our eyes on Jesus, our heart We have we have a heart for Christ alone. We have a mind transformed by the word. We have arms of love. We have knees for prayer. We have a voice to speak God's word. We have a spirit of servanthood and stewardship. When our eyes are fixed on Jesus. Where are your eyes fixed on this morning? This fourth chair that we've talked about so much. We've talked about exploring Christ. And we've talked about growing in Christ and, and being close to Christ. But this is the Christ-centered person. And the Christ-centered person, when we look at a Christ-centered person, starts to exhibit those characters that you see. In fact, here we say Christ is Jesus is the center of my entire being. Jesus is the center of my entire being. Just like he's the center in that diagram that we see, that wheel as we call it. Jesus is the center. Our eyes are fixed on him. I know God personally and love Jesus intimately. I see all people now with the same compassion that God does. And because Christ is at the center, people see Jesus in me and through my life. I'm compelled to risk it all for Jesus. And through God's power, I'm creating change in my world. That's our statement. It's written on that insert that you have in your program of this life that is a fourth chair Christian. Notice a few things in this quote. First of all, when we become a fourth chair, a mature Christian, our view of God changes. We, God is no longer abstract, no longer out there, no longer the man upstairs, you watch interviews all the time, especially with athletes, I, I see it, and one especially in Cleveland. <laughs> when he's talking about it, he always says, the man upstairs, the man upstairs. I'm, I'm always there saying, oh, he's so much more than the man upstairs. A Christ-centered person, our, our, our view of God changes because our relationship with God changes. He's more than the man upstairs. We know him personally. We love Jesus intimately. We respond to him. Are you responding to God? Has your view of God changed as you've grown, as you've grown in your Christian life? I know sometimes we, have, we see God as, as, you know, that, that strict um, taskmaster. But do we see God and know him in a personal, loving, intimate way? When you do that, you know you're moving to a fourth chair spot. Has your view of God changed or is it the same view you've always had that God doesn't really care, that God's just out there? He created us and he left us go. No, we could have a relationship with him. Our view of God changes. But I see something else in this quote. I see our view of others change. Our view of others change because when we see Christ and we see how he loves us, our love for others comes out. It says we we see people now with the same compassion that God does. And finally, I see this, others view us differently. When you're you're advancing and growing in your Christian life, people start to notice changes. They start to notice speaking differently. They start to notice that certain activities in my life that were once part of that are gone. They notice that I'm living a life victorious, full, joyous. And they see me in a new way. It's because Christ is the center of my life. They see Jesus in me and through my life. And then finally it says, I'm then compelled. I'm compelled. I have to do. I have to make a difference in people's life. I need to make a difference in people's life. That's, that's this fourth chair person. And when we as Christians, all of us, jump on the bandwagon and we get on this, this growth, we, we, we run the race together, we become a Christ-centered community changing our world. That's our vision, a Christ-centered community changing our world. Our goal is not that you and one person here and one person here and one person here get to this fourth chair. Our goal is that as a community together, we move here. Whoops, I'm not sure I'm allowed to touch this. This is the fourth chair, (laughs) you know? Do you ever, so that's, that's one of the, the responses sometimes I, 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 I get from people and even I think myself, whoa, the fourth chair is like the Holy Grail. <laughs> Nobody gets in the fourth chair. That is set aside for Jesus Christ and whoa, keep your distance. <laughs> in fact, we, we might even sometimes think it's arrogant to think we can be a fourth chair Christian. We think we need to be perfect and in every way. And I look at this fourth chair and I say, but it's, but it's an aspiration. It's, it's somewhere we want to be. You know, I think we get this, this scenario in our heads. And D.L. Moody said it a number of years ago. He said this. He says, God has, not, God has yet to show what he can do through the life of a man who is wholly yielded to him. God has yet to show what he could do through a life of a man who is wholly yielded to him. And so we get in there and we say, whoa, I, I, if, he, if God has yet to show what he can do to life wholly yielded to him, how in the world can I even think of putting myself in that fourth chair? I know I have that problem. Someone comes up to me and they say, what chair are you in? You know, if you say fourth chair, they're going to say, well, I remember or I saw or whatever. And, and also I know deep down in my heart. And so it's like, can I really be a fourth chair Christian? Dawson Troutman, Dawes, uh, started The Navigators, the founder of The Navigators. He would preach that quote from D.L. Moody, and he would respond by saying, oh, Lord, let me be that man. Oh, Lord, let me be that man. Let me be that person who is 100% sold out. We say in our statement of this position here, I... willing to risk it all for Jesus. Let me be that man. In fact, when Dawes would preach, he would say that God can do more through one man who is 100% sold out than he can do through 100 men who are 90% sold out for Christ. Give me someone 100% sold out And you say, wow, that sounds, that sounds, that sounds tough. But yes, for for Dawes, it was aspirational. And he started the navigators. He started training, discipling folks who could, who would continually, continually work towards getting to that fourth chair. I want to tell you something this morning. I'm going to repeat it a few times. I I, I love this fourth chair, and and I think just the way we say we value the first chair, uh, we value folks who are exploring Christ, boy, we we value folks who are Christ-centered. They're an example to all of us. They fill positions that that need to be filled in the church with joy and with talent and with with, uh, the Holy Spirit leading and guiding them in their lives. We, 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 appreciate, we appreciate people close to Christ and, and grow, growing in Christ. And I would say this to this morning, no matter what, it doesn't matter as much to me what seat you're in or what chair you put yourself in. It matters to me which direction you're headed. Where are you headed this morning? Are you headed, is this an aspiration to you to become more and more like Christ? Are you running the race or have you stopped? Or are you cramped and up and you're saying, oh, I got I to gotta take a rest. I, I got to cramp. I got to cramp. I'm suffering. We suffer in the race. We suffer, but we keep going. We keep going through. A couple weeks ago, I told you that there was, a, a few weeks ago, I told you there was two races in my life that were, that were disasters. Uh, the one race was the race I was, ran with, with um, strep throat, but the other one was, was after I got out of high school. I was, I was in, after I got to college even, I was involved in business, and, and they started these events called Corporate Cups, where the, 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 cor- the businesses would compete against each other in events, and it was a big thing because you wanted to be other businesses in your town, and I'll never forget that they, they came to me, and somehow someone let them know that I used to run cross-country in high school. That was terrible. <laughs> I said, no, nah, I, really, I really don't do that anymore. They said, well, no one else does either. We could use in the event. <laughs> so I trained, and I, I trained. I did train. I went out and ran and, and tried to get. But when the day comes, and, I was, and I, I, I was running this 5K, and I hadn't done this, and, and, I, and about halfway through, I get that cramp. And I'm struggling, and, and, and everything, everything, in my, in me, everything in me screamed, quit. <laughs> quit the race. But I knew I had a great cloud of witnesses <laughs> They were waiting for me at that finish line. And, and I knew they were, they were saying, just finish. Give us a finish. Give us some points. Get in, Just do it. And so I kept going through, and I got to admit, there was one time I think I walked a little bit. But it wasn't very long, and it was when no one was looking. <laughs> We <laughs> keep going, keep going, even through the pain, even through the suffering, keep going. Our vision for fourth, chair, for fourth chair sitters can sound intimidating, but it's a great aspiration. And we don't have to be perfect, and we're not going to be perfect. Yesterday in... in um, our membership class. Had a great membership class yesterday. And we were talking about our chairs. And I told him, well, here's a little preview. I gave him a couple hints of what was going to be in the message. And we were talking about this fourth chair, aspirational. And, and Pastor Eric got up and shared something that, um, that I said I'm going to steal for the sermon. He said, <laughs> he said you know, the, the fourth chair, we think of it as being perfect, and, and, and we're not. But it's a, in fact, it's a chair where, as, as he even mentioned in his prayer today, confession and repentance is still a part of the fourth chair. We're just maybe a little more in tune. When we sin, we say, uh-oh, confess, repent. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means when we slip, we, we immediately go to God and say, God, oh, I'm so sorry. I let you down. I let my friends down. We, we confess what the Lord has for us. That brings us to the scripture The Pastor Eric read for us this morning out of Ephesians. So what scripturally, or or what is this end game? What is this fourth chair? What is this finish line if the finish line's not death? What is this finish line here on earth? What are we leading up to? What's the goal? And it was read to you this morning. Ephesians 4, 11-13 says this, So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his body for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. As I read that, I, I really thought of John three sixteen. God so loved the world that He gave, so that we could have eternal life. And well, here Jesus so loved us, He gave, and, and this follows up even earlier in Ephesians chapter four of, of Jesus giving to the church. And here it says He gave certain things. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He gave so that the body of Christ may be built up. He gave these positions to equip us so that we together could build up, so that we together could march on towards this fourth chair. He does that until, and that until has three goals. Three goals. The first goal is unity. He says, I, we, so that the Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. When we get, as a church, when we're in this, sitting in the fourth chair, there's a unity. When you're a Christian and you're, you're serving the Lord, there's a unity between you and Christ because there's no divisions. There's, there's no walls built up between us. There's peace. There's joy. There's all those, those benefits that come from being a Christian. And we talk a lot about the cost of discipleship, but there are benefits of being a Christian. And we enjoy those when we have peace with God. And then there's knowledge. There's this, there's this head, intellectual understanding that we have. We understand, but this understanding is about Jesus Christ. We we understand who Jesus Christ is, what he did for us, and why it was necessary. When, we, when we've come together and we've when we're growing together, we understand that. And then the third thing is there's maturity. I don't think I need to explain to you maturity. It means the same in Greek as it does in English. <laughs> you know what a mature person's like. I know what a mature person's like. It's not perfect. It's, it's, the word is more like complete, full. It's, 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 it's come to its conclusion. We're, we're there. And say, I, Lord, I want to aspire. I'm not there. I want to aspire to that chair. That's the goal because when Christ is at the center, when I fix my eyes on Jesus... When I have my focus on him, when I start developing those characteristics of Christ, then my focus is on being mature. It's on, it's on being being in unity with my with my friends and my, my church. It's in being in unity with the with the, the church of Jesus Christ. And it's to know Jesus and know him intimately, as we said in our statement. He goes on in verse 14. Well, no, let's go back a second. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I didn't want to skip that. That, that measure is not an adjective or a verb there. It's, it's a noun. The measure, the measure that we have is the fullness of Christ, the completeness of Christ. And so our goal has to be a holiness, a, a heart that reaches out to be like Christ in every way. That means we give up things. That means, that means we, be, we, we add things to our life to become more and more like him so that we can have our measure, our fullness be the same fullness that's in Christ. That is, that is, a, that is a fourth chair. <laughs> that's a fourth chair liver. That's a fourth chair liver. Not liver as in your body. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> the drugs are doing it to me. <laughs> Paul goes on in verse 14 and he says this, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their scheming. We had a goal, we had a goal, and that goal was for to have unity and knowledge and maturity. And now there's an expectation. There's an expectation that Paul lays out. He says, if you're going to run that race, if you're going to follow me, then there's an expectation that you grow up. You're no longer infants. He says, that is his description of immaturity. He said, if you have an understanding, if you don't understand what maturity is, here's immaturity. You know what it is. You know what it is for a child, for a baby, for someone like that. First Corinthians 13, he, uh, Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish things. I moved on in my relationship with Christ. And he's saying this to a community. He's saying this as a church, you need to move on. As a church, you need to grow up because the sign of an immature church is a church that will put up with false teachings. A sign of, a, a sign of an immature church is those who are distracted from the goal of unity and be, 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 being Christ-centered and being complete because they're unstable, because they allow false, false teachings and, and other divisions in, the, in their body. He says you need to, you need to grow up in fact, a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, Paul saying, you know, got to drink the milk of the word. And we want that milk, want the milk. But, but in other places, 1 Corinthians 3 and in Hebrews 5, he says, no, 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 get off the milk. Start getting on to solid food. I thought about having a steak grilling the whole time while we were talking here today. <laughs> And, and we decided not to do that. There'd be too many people wanting. But that's solid food, the real thing. Get off the milk. Start moving forward in your Christian life. Keep pressing on aspirationally to that fourth chair. Make it your goal. That is where I want to be in my life. And as a church, we do it again together. We do it together. And finally, in verse 15 and 16, he gives us a standard. The standard is this. Instead... Instead of being immature, instead of being pushed around, instead of letting all those winds and those hurricanes and the earthquakes and all that blow you and and, and cause you uh, to be in in disunity without knowledge, he says, do this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up. Time to grow up. To become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ." From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The standard is to grow up, finish the race. God didn't send us here to start the race and not finish it. He didn't send us here to receive him as a Christ and not have our character changed. He didn't send us here to receive Christ and not go out and share it with others. He didn't send us here to, to receive Christ and, and, not, and not fellowship with the Lord. He said, those are the benefits that come when you're in a relationship with me. And if you want that, you got to grow up, get in the race, don't stop. Don't let, the, don't let the bumps, don't let the bruises, don't let the dislocated knees stop you from pressing on to that fourth chair. And I want to repeat this morning, what chair you're in right now is a great place to be if you're moving, to, if you're moving this direction. Keep moving this direction. Keep moving. Don't stop. If if it's if it's your your Bible reading, if it's your if it's your uh, prayer life, if it's being accountable to others, if it's whatever you need to do in a growth group, or, or however you want need to grow. If you need to enroll in some online courses and get more intellectual, if you if you need to if you need to get some help in recovery, to do you do that. You need to do those things. But do it. Keep pressing. Keep pressing. Keep pressing. Keep pressing. Don't give up because we're hurt. Don't give up because somebody said something. Don't give up because uh, because you were. Ignored or 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 you just your needs aren't being met. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep pressing forward. Until someday we're all in that blue chair. We become one. In fact, our mission statement is this: becoming a community of authentic Christ followers, compelled to change our world. That's us. That's us as we, as we think about all these things and where I am in my life and, and where I want to go and am I there yet and how do I get there and all of this plan join us in becoming this community of authentic Christ followers compelled to change our world. When the body of Christ is moving together forward, not stopping picking up the wounded, helping them along. If, if you say, I'm hurt so bad, I can't get up. There are folks in an authentic community who will come and mend you. They will pick you up and they will carry you. That's what we're here for. If you're hurting so bad, you say, I just, I just don't see hope. In an authentic community, we come together and we offer each other hope. We look into the scriptures and we see hope through Jesus Christ. And we, and we pick up each other, and we take them to the fourth chair. Say, come with us. I love it when Paul and the writer of Hebrews uses those terms, we. It's together. Together, we are becoming a community of authentic Christ followers compelled to change our world. This morning, uh, maybe the question isn't as much as what chair you're in because it's, it's hard to, I mean, most of us probably put us like here. I'm here, <laughs> you know. We're, we're between chairs. I don't, I don't know where I am. Now, that, that's hard. But, but, we've, but we're asking you, we've laid out these, these, these discussions in your program to give you some thought. Where am I? But this morning, where are you is not near as important to me as where you're headed. Where you're headed. Where you're headed. Are you headed to a deeper relationship with Christ? Are you, a, are you headed towards, towards uh, just becoming more like Him in your everyday life? Are you <coughs> headed <laughs> to to a life of spirit-filled living. That's what Jesus Christ wants from you. That's what he wants from us. Let's stand together for prayer. This morning, I just want you to think as we pray, Lord, how how can I, can I, can I keep moving forward? And i tell you what, if you've got, if you've, if you've fallen and you've busted up your knee, or you know what I mean, figuratively, you've done something that, or in your life or you're just struggling, we have staff here that will meet with you, we'll talk with you. You might not want to get within four feet of me tonight, today, but, uh, but Pastor Eric's here. He'll talk with you. We'll come this week and say, we can help you. We got places that you, that can, that you can be served. We got pe- people who love you and care for you. But I'm going to talk a second to you who might be here or close. We need you. We need our fourth chair Christians. We need you to pray. I love our prayer warriors. I love our prayer warriors. We need you to pray. We need you that can serve and step in and bind some of the wounded. We need you. We need you. We need you that have, oh, I've been in church for a lot of years, and and what can I do? Believe me, we can find things for you to do. But it's, it's not so much about doing, it's being, just being there, being here, being part of this community, this community of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you are calling us into a deeper walk with you. That you are calling us to be mature, grown up in every way. Lord, forgive us where we are childish. Lord, forgive me for I've been childish this week. And Lord, I've been childish this week. Thank you, Lord, for your love that forgives the grace through Jesus Christ who, who, Lord, through the joy set before him, endured the cross and sits right now at the right hand of the Father. We thank you, Lord, for that truth. And Lord, we thank you for the goodness that comes as we meet together, the fellowship of the believers. Lord, it's good to be together here this morning. It's good to see faces. It's good, Lord, to enjoy the the fellowship of Christians. Lord, just now go with us. May this fellowship continue. May it continue as we walk out the doors, as we serve you, as we go out and be representatives of you in the world today. May Jesus Christ be lifted up and praised through our actions. May people see something different about us because of our relationship with you. And we'll give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ.